This is the I'm Stuff Podcast, a podcast about eating disorders, disordered eating, body image, and mental health. I'm your host, Queenie June Borgman, and in today's episode, episode 15 of season 5, I'm talking with Talia, a registered dietitian, about intuitive eating and body respect. Okay guys, before we start out with this episode, a big shout out to Talia. She's the guest of this podcast episode. She was so kind to talk about intuitive eating and body respect. So for the people who maybe have listened to some of the episodes before in other seasons about intuitive eating, this is very different. So please listen to this because it really is about how you feel eating, how you feel your body. So it has that psychology twist in that. Uh, furthermore, some you know um, experiences of Talia herself, but I'm not going to say too much, so you just need to listen. Um, and by the way, guys, today we hit this milestone, this mark that is very beautiful. Uh, after two and a half years of podcasting, I think even a little bit less, um, we hit 14k of plays, like 14,000 plays. That's a lot, guys. That's a lot. And I'm very, very grateful that you basically tune in every week, that you maybe shared it, that other people just tried it out. And I hope that we can proceed that way. Uh, I said it in one of my stories, and if you do not follow me on Instagram, please do so at imstuff underscore com or since last week, TikTok at imstuff.nl. Um, whereas different content, of course. Um, but I said it in the stories of Instagram, I would like to go to 20K and not because of the amount, but I know the moment that we go to 20k, I have reached more people to help out. So if you are in a group or you know people that need to know some information about eating disorders, disordered eating, body image, or mental health, and you do listen to the podcast, just try it out and maybe, you know, put it in your stories, maybe subtle, recommend it, and hopefully they can find something in there that helps them out. Uh, but for now, enjoy this podcast episode. Um, it's already 15. Uh, so that is that. And again, don't forget to follow one of the social media accounts from me or Talia uh, to just get the info you need to recover. So thank you so much. And this is the podcast episode. And by the way, little heads up, it kind of cut off at the end, but just perfectly on time. So uh, Talia isn't saying goodbye <laughs> properly, but I'm saying it for her. She was very grateful uh, to be on the podcast and she found it very fun. And um, yeah, I think, uh, what's the English word for this? Uh, it really did her well to share her information with you all. So um, yeah, this is the podcast. So guys, welcome back to the I'm Stuff podcast. And since a very long time, I am introducing again guests to the podcast that had basically been a choice throughout the whole podcast to do so, uh, at least this season, uh, because season five is all about psychology. Uh, but things just went a different way. And sometimes I felt more on, you know, doing it by myself. But the, for the last two, three weeks, I was like, I really need some insight from different experts. And today there is one with us and I think you can maybe introduce yourself better than I can. Um, so Talia, if you would, if I'm, am I even pronouncing it well? Am I pronouncing it well? 
Yeah, yeah, oh, it's okay. Talia, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got it. Uh, if you would like to introduce yourself. Yeah, yeah, I'm Talia. Um, I'm a registered dietitian based out of Philadelphia, PA, mm-hmm. um, and I'm my practice is really based around intuitive eating and body respect. Yes, and that is nice that you made that, because that is uh, actually the episode's uh, subject for this time. It's body respect and intuitive eating. I know the listeners have had a little bit of a taste of intuitive eating before, but the psychology part of this case is the body respect, and that's also one of the main reasons why I address you, because I think that's a topic that should be talked more about, and we forget when addressing food, addressing eating disorders, um, it's not only about the food, it's also your perspective around your body and what it means to you. So I'm very mm-hmm. grateful that you uh, actually add that as one, you know, as a part of your work. Um, could you, before we start out, um, tell me something about your socials? Where can people find you? Yes, I'm on Instagram. My handle is Body Trust Dietitian. And on Facebook, um, my page is called Folador Nutrition Services. Okay, nice. And you are in the area of Philadelphia, so if people are listening to this, I have like half of the listeners are American, so it would be oh, nice cool. <laughs> that, that they're there, that you are there awesome. to help them out. Yes, nice. Indeed. <laughs> okay. Cool. Uh, I always know that we do not you know, walk around this earth and say this one day, I want to become a dietitian. At least for my colleagues and myself, it's not something that just came in my head. Mostly people have a story why they choose what they eventually choose as their, you know, services that they give and learn for. So what is your story around food and your body image that made you end up being a dietitian? Very good question. Um... So they're kind of separate, but they do come together very nicely. So I'll start from the beginning. Um, Growing up as a kid, I had a very good relationship with food and with my body. Um, Both of my parents loved to cook, and I grew up, you know, baking with my mom, cooking with my dad, Um, and I always just loved food and learning about food and eating food. Um, And I had a very good relationship with my body too, was never really worried about um, my size or my weight or anything like that. Um, And then that kind of started to change as I went into puberty. Um, I experienced what is known as the adiposity rebound, which essentially pretty much everybody experiences, but It's whenever you um, gain weight, uh, body fat, particularly prior to puberty. Um, So I gained a pretty significant amount of weight when I was 12, 13 years old. Um, And it really, you know, started that journey of that awareness around my body size and my uh, weight and what I was eating. I remember being really like shocked that I had gained weight because I didn't even know I was doing anything different. Um, And, you know, all through high school, middle school, um, I started to focus a lot more on making sure I was watching my portion sizes, eating healthfully, um, started exercising a lot. And it wasn't really 
anything um, disordered at all. It was just kind of more of an awareness. Um, and then when I went to college, um, that did start to get more unhealthy and I started to lose weight and people started to notice and compliment me. Um, and so I was really concerned about, you know, gaining that weight back. And I felt like I had to uphold this reputation of being the healthy fit girl. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I was one of those people that woke up at five 30 every morning to go for a run or to go to the gym. And (laughs) I think about it now and I'm like, Oh my God, how did I do that every day? Um, but yeah, so it kind of, you know, spiraled into a very unhealthy, um, you know, unhealthy relationship with food and body. And I decided to go into nutrition as a major. My freshman year, I took a nutrition class. Um, I actually didn't even really consider being a dietitian up until that point. And I thought the nutrition class was really interesting. Um, So I really just decided to pick that major off of that class. <laughs> I found it interesting and the science aspect of it um, came easy to me. Mm-hmm. So I picked that as my major and then throughout college I really struggled with disordered eating and body image. Um, and for most of my college career I kind of second guessed you know, choosing nutrition because it almost felt um, like it was feeding my disordered I, eating. I just wanted to ask it because I know that a lot of people, even in my uh, degree, uh, when I was following it here, that a lot of people in my classes are were becoming visibly either fuller or very skinny because of the uh, education actually triggering them. And yeah, it was really a thing because I think I'm, I haven't met a person for me. It was the other way around, so it really cured me because I was. I'm gonna say the word vain. <laughs> when we when I started the <laughs> educations, I was always like, okay, uh, food, nutrition, you know, muscle mass, weight loss, that's it. And it was the first time that I actually discovered that you know you can save kidneys, you can save guts, you can you know do other stuff with it than just influence how people look. But I know <clears> it can really work, you know, another way around, just like you're describing uh, when you're going to that education. So, how did that went for you? Did it? You said it made it worse, or? Um. Yeah, I would say I remember just kind of knowing that I had a problem and feeling kind of like it's kind of a an extreme word to use, but tortured mm-hmm. because I wanted to stop obsessing about food so much, but then all my classes were about food, so it was really hard to like <laughs> escape thinking about yeah um yeah but then that was when I found um I mean I started searching resources online on social media and I found different people who had accounts about um intuitive eating and health at every size um and having a healthy relationship with food And that's when I really dug into it and started reading more about that, learning more about that. And then I kind of, uh, it took years really to come to this point, but Mm -hmm. I healed my relationship with food and I really wanted to be that voice of reason for other people on that journey. Yeah. Nice. 
Nice. Yeah. If I had one thing you said in the beginning, and that's caught my ears, in this case, you said the, the moment that the subcutane fat, when you hit puberty, that is, how, how do you call that phase? Because you, you just told it in, uh, in the beginning. That was the moment that for you, you started to gain weight in a certain amount that made you uncomfortable. What was the time of period you call in biology? So it was... Um adiposity rebound okay. and it's like pre-puberty mm -hmm. um and particularly for girls it happens because you know as we know body fat is really important for women yeah. to allow menstruation yeah. um so it happens for boys but more so it's it, it happens to girls pretty um consistently because of the start of puberty yeah, it's funny you're saying this because I can remember like I would be so uncomfortable with the fact that I was gaining, you know, more hips and stuff like that. Well, if I look back <laughs> at those photos, I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but back in the day, it would feel like something very big, uh, just like, you know, the, the uh, tissue around the breast area and stuff like that. And what, yeah. like you said, it's so much needed to have a menstrual cycle, but it can feel very... Um, discomfort and yeah how would you say it um it, would, it has a feeling of discomfort uh to grow up sometimes at least i think at some points mm. of mine is something that i had as well was you go from being a child to them growing up you know having a body that is growing but maybe your mind isn't growing equal with that mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's just i remember for me it was just like a lot to take in yeah, because definitely. I gained the weight and I didn't understand why because yeah. <laughs> I didn't have like a huge amount of awareness around my body. I wasn't really worried about my body. And then all of a sudden this was happening and I was like, I don't feel like I was doing anything different. Yeah. Um, and then of course I, you know, got my period. And then, like you said, you get taller and your breasts start to grow. And then it's like, there's all these changes happening so quickly with your body um and it's just kind of like overwhelming and yeah, definitely. weird <laughs> well if you look at something that you've learned way too late and wish you knew earlier specifically if you tell me that specific story and the listeners what was something you would like to know earlier um that's a great question um there's so many things i can think of <laughs> i think something i learned um also from going through therapy and doing my own personal work is I would like, I guess the right word, I was very impressionable. So I would hear people say things about their bodies or about, uh, make comments about their own eating, like, Oh, I can't believe I ate all of that. Or, Oh, I need to lose weight, you know, things like that. Um, and I would kind of internalize them and think that they were thinking that about me. Um, or even if they directly did comment on what I was eating or my body in some way, even if it was something like a compliment, like, oh, you look so great, or you lost weight, how did you do that? I always made it all about me and was really worried about what they were thinking of me. And, oh my gosh, are they keeping track of me? Did they notice that I gained five pounds since the last time I saw them? Um, but something I learned was a lot of, well, pretty much all of the time, um, things that people say to you are more a reflection of them than 
they are of you. So um, people who make comments about your food or your body or even compliment you, um, it's because it's coming from a place of it's something that they focus on and worry about with themselves. So worrying about pleasing other people, Mm -hmm. um, you know, keeping up with the food restriction and the exercising, even though it's not uh, healthy for you. Mm -hmm. It's not pleasing anybody else. It's only hurting you really. And um, again, it's, it's a reflection of them and their relationship with food and their body. Um, And honestly, they're probably not thinking about you that much. They just notice it in that moment and it makes them more self-aware of, you know, what's going on with them. So I wish I would have learned that when I was, a little girl because <laughs> it would have yeah. helped a lot of things <laughs> i agree people are quite self-absorbed and very busy with themselves so nine out of ten times also when i have clients for example want to go in a bathing suit and they are terribly afraid bathing suit bikini or whatever i'm always like you know they're so much more busy than with themselves than they are with you they maybe like glance for two or three five seconds and that's it and then they go on with their day so why would you punish yourself by not going in the clothing you would like or not even swimming at all because you're so afraid of what other people have to say. And again, everybody has something to say, but it doesn't mean it's valid at the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what lies did you uh, believe from dive culture and what is actually the real truth? And I know this is like a very wide question. Like there's so many lies out there, but what was something that really stuck with you and you eventually you know discover the truth um i would probably say i really truly believed that losing weight and being skinnier would make me happy Mm -hmm. and would take away all of my insecurities Mm -hmm. um and it actually did the opposite i was less happy and i was more focused on all of my insecurities um and I realize now in retrospect, like focusing on that, it just really takes away even the brain space to enjoy other things and invest your time and energy in other things that you love to do. Yep. Um, so definitely letting go of that idea of, oh, if I can control my body and make it look the way I want it to, I'll be happier. Um, that was the most important thing for me to let go of. Definitely, your your world uh, world becomes so small when you're only sitting with your eating disorder uh, or disordered eating in a room. At least that's something that I always felt. At some point, I was so sick that I couldn't do anything anymore. And of course, mm-hmm. I was skinny, but I couldn't go to school. I couldn't work. I couldn't hang out with friends because my body was so weak. It was really, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And still, the the lie that less is more. Uh, yeah. What I'm wondering yeah. though. And this is the thing, because we develop very gnarly bad habits when we are trying to influence our body composition, at least for a lot of clients that I see, uh, that's the case. Uh, What was for you a hard habit that was unhealthy, and how did you undo that? You know, how did you de-learn that, basically? Yeah. I like the word gnarly. That was (laughs) nice there. Um, Let me see. Well, for me, you know, I started going to the gym to exercise when I was 
12 or 13 years old, yes. which in my mind is very young. Yes, very young, yeah. Yeah, you know, I never, I didn't really play sports consistently growing up. Um, and so it wasn't like I was going to, you know, improve my sports performance. It was solely like for, you know, fear of weight gain and aesthetic reasons. Um, so for me, you know, scaling back on exercise and movement was really difficult. And in my mind, I, I had to justify eating um, by how hard I was working out. And so realizing that my body still needs food, even if I don't really move it at all, uh, it still needs food to function was very difficult to let go of um, and just really relishing in like rest, you know, letting myself rest and do other things um, and just being okay with that. That's nice. That's nice. I think, you know, the beautiful thing is I think you took, you know, your mind to eventually take rest of it and that's a very beautiful thing. I was pushed into it. Uh, so eventually my body just didn't function and I needed to take rest because it couldn't move or at least my feet mm. and I think it's very nice if you still made that conscious decision of taking rest but it's also very scary though mm -hmm. I could it is. almost imagine because I had the same thing and I was like okay what's going to happen now did all the work did I do did it, you know is it getting undone by just taking rest yeah yeah totally um because of course the listeners are listening here for some tips, guidance and maybe some consolation as well. Um, I was wondering, because this is something we all deal with, I believe at some point in our year or month, uh, what do you need to do basically when there's diet talk around you and you get triggered? What are some tools, some skills so you can manage that for yourself? Yeah. That was tough because it's everywhere. I mean, you can't go anywhere without hearing diet talk in some shape or form. Um, I mean, I think now that I have more like confidence and um, just self-awareness, mm -hmm. I, I try to, in, if it's someone talking to me directly, I try to engage with them and kind of ask them, well, why do you think that? Or why do you feel that way about that? Um, or even just challenge them and say, you know, well, I love to eat chocolate and I'm enjoying this right now. And, you know, just kind of giving them a different perspective. Um, but I think if you're not at that point where you're confident enough to kind of talk back and, a, and give a different perspective, um, just really exploring what they said and how valid it is. So mm -hmm. um, just being very factual about it. Like, okay, they said, I don't know, X, Y, Z. Um, like, if that was true, then, you know, kind of looking at why it wouldn't it be true. Um, and the most important thing, too, just thinking about, like, how is believing that helpful for me? Is it helping me in any way to believe that that's true? Um, and what would it look like if I didn't believe it was true? Mm -hmm. um, and 
generally too, just if you're in a conversation and it's happening, just the best thing to do is change the subject. Um, don't even have to make it a big deal, just changing the subject and moving on to something else. Yeah, definitely. Just, you know, kind of, uh, how do they say that? Maybe like disregard the comment or something in this mm-hmm. case, if I'm saying it in mm-hmm. proper English. Yeah. Well, um, it's something that I still find very uh, interesting, and maybe you can guide us in this because intuitive eating, um, there's a book out here from I'm a Foodie, it's like a big dietitian group here in the Netherlands and they brought a, okay. book, a book out intuitive eating that is based on the popular American book out the top of my head of two ladies I forgot their names um, yes I think you know it's who I um, mean, right Evelyn Triboli and Elise yeah Reich. I believe yeah so they, they uh, actually translated to Dutch and they brought it out and the thing with intuitive eating, specifically because there's so many people online, you know, talking about intuitive eating, when on earth are you eating intuitive? Because I can imagine if you have an eating disorder and you're so far from home from how you ate seven years, three years ago when you were a kid, you know, what on el- you know, what is it? What is intuitive eating? Yeah. You know, that's great you brought up kids because I was going to bring up kids. (laughs) Um, You know, I always tell people, like, if you really want to see an intuitive eater, like, watch a baby eat or watch a toddler eat um, because they're so innocent and just pure. And um, when they're hungry, they let you know. And when they're done eating, you know, they're very clear about it, too. Um, but, but yeah, mm-hmm. it can be difficult as an adult when you kind of lose that, um, lose that self, I don't want to say self-awareness, maybe just confidence in those signals from your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, al- it also is complicated if you have an eating disorder because those signals in your body are not accurate all the time. Um, for example, you might kind of lose your sensation of feeling hungry or you might feel full a lot quicker than um than other people would feel full because of your you know digestive tract just like shutting down almost (laughs) from being so starved of nutrients but anyway um i think really just um the main thing is knowing that your body is the like sole thing that tells you when you need to eat and also just understanding how different foods affect your body how they make you feel um how they might help fuel you how um you know how you feel emotionally when you eat them and kind of being able to use all of that information to decide what you're eating Mm -hmm. um, and not basing your food choices off of, um, you know, things that other people say or things you might have learned about when you followed a diet in the past, Um, just really solely focusing on your relationship with your body and what your body needs. Okay, nice. Um, it's kind of a long explanation it's a long one but i think even then you know people need to sometimes i feel like even when making reels or stuff like that 
people do not want to take them time to listen what is needed to be heard for recovery what i sometimes find very problematic like a video of one and a half minutes or even these interviews that are like 30 35 minutes there's so much valuable information in here that if you would take the time and listen and don't um you know be speedy like we're so used to in this day and age with the phones and the amount of data we can consume these types mm-hmm. of answers are so valuable but they just need mm-hmm. to be patient yeah yeah absolutely um what are some easy steps to start out intuitive eating because you know if people listen to this and they're interested how do you start out with intuitive eating yeah um so like I kind of hinted to, you know, it might not always be appropriate to start with like hunger and fullness because depending on your situation, those cues might not be entirely accurate. Um, the first thing I always usually start with with people is the first principle of intuitive eating is about um, getting out of the diet mentality. So just kind of examining, looking at your thoughts around food and nutrition, exercise, body, um, and getting out of that state of mind of foods are good or bad, you are good or bad for eating or not eating foods, um, you know, strict rules that you might be following around food that aren't really um, even factual sometimes and kind of just challenging the different beliefs that you have about food that are really rooted in dieting versus um, actual science and health um, is always a good place to start. Nice, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna jump to body respect because for me, I'm filling it in in my head but I do not know mm-hmm. how you meant, you know, meant when you put that there and you're busy with it. What is your perspective on body respect? What, it, what does it mean for you? What do you um, tell people about body respect? Yeah, so um, body respect essentially to me is just realizing that um, even if you don't always like your body or really even appreciate your body, your body needs basic care to function um so it you know it needs food it needs hydration sleep rest um it needs you know hygiene is important keeping it clean and well taken care of you might need to go to the doctor for different things um take medications and make kind of like medical care so at at the very um, least, your body deserves that respect because it is your vessel that you live in um, and that carries you through the world to live your life. So even if you don't like it, um, it's really important to respect it and just at the very least, you know, fuel it adequately and just take care of it so that it can do its job. And what are some easy steps to start basically respecting your body what are some you know things people can do after they listen to this podcast to just apply instantly yeah um so it goes along with you know what i said about starting off with intuitive eating kind of just examining um how you talk to yourself and how you talk about your body and 
liter just at the very least flipping it into neutral language if it's not already so instead of saying like um oh you know my thighs are so big or my stomach is too big i'm not allowed to eat today kind of just changing it into uh my body needs fuel to get throughout the day and i might not like what it looks like today but i need to eat so that i can have the energy i need to do what i need to do um so looking at your thoughts around your body um and i think generally a good thing to start with is sleep if you can because changing food can be hard for people um but just giving yourself some rest um and i guess that's where i would say to start Ooh, yeah I, I like that last one that's a really a good one for get sleep mostly that's a very big part of our satiation as well. Um, mm -hmm. Because we are trying to keep this in a fairly, you know, short, I find this quite short, but you know, people want to listen fairly quickly and we still have two minutes <laughs> on the timer. Um, what is your take home message to the listeners? Yeah, um, I would say that, oh man, my take-home message would be um, that your body is uniquely yours and, you know, don't let anybody or anything tell you how you should care for your body. Um, and, you know, your body deserves ultimately respect and um, care no matter what it looks like or you know, what medical conditions you have or who you are, your body deserves at the very least that respect and that care. Um, and only you can really ultimately um, understand the unique needs of your body. Yeah, definitely agree. And also, I think sometimes your external surroundings are trying to give you insight on that. But, in, mm -hmm. you know, in industry, say, quartium would follow, so it needs to click for you to see the value of doing that for your body, you know, nourishing mm -hmm. it right with uh, a certain mindset, a certain uh, type of, you know, type of fuel, enough fuel, certain amount of sleep. Um, I think sometimes, uh, specifically the group of eating disorders, they still do not see the benefits of it, or at least do not, mm -hmm. rather would still uh, have the eating disorder is, is more strong in this case. Mm -hmm. Okay, we still have less than a minute. Uh, Talia, could you again give your socials and I hope that I have enough space to do the outro or, or otherwise I will be doing that individually. Okay, no problem. Yeah. Um, so on Instagram, my handle is Body Trust Dietitian and on Facebook, um, I have a page under Folidor Nutrition Services. Okay, nice. Thank you so much for this interview. I really, really appreciate it. Oh. Well, that's she just logged out. But again, thank you so much for this interview, Talia. Um, I really appreciate it that you've been here on the podcast episode. And um, everybody, if you would like to check out her socials, please do so. I think it's a very valuable thing that Talia just addressed that we need to have body respect as well because it's something 
we almost always forget because we're so busy with the food or how we can train to manipulate our body and the food intake we just had while the way you fuel your body is just as important and just with intuitive eating the way you fuel your food is so important so again listeners thank you so much for listening and i'll see you in next episode next week and that will be with a dutch male nutritionist and he has been on tv it's ricky frissom he also brought out a book Uh, He's a colleague of mine and I really enjoy having him on the podcast because he will give a lot of people insights. And again, a male on podcast isn't something that happens often. So I'm very grateful that it can be a possibility. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to share it. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the I'm Stuff podcast. If you would like to know more, you can go to imstuff.nl or to the Instagram imstuff underscore com and start working on your relationship with food today.